well, you're in the seventh inning stretch now, so everybody stand up as you're able and willing to. We're just going to do what we did last week anyways, okay? Arms out to the side, arms up, shuffle to your right, shuffle to your left. Welcome. You have also graduated from level two of charismatic church worship dancing. It's not quite Zumba, but you're also not going to be sitting in your own sweat for the next 35 minutes. Maybe you like that. I don't know. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, it's great to see your faces. New folks, older folks. My name's Rob. I'm one of the staff here. And yeah, we're talking about the Christmas Joy Project. This is a very informal sermon series wanting to help build up our joy in the Lord. Tag teaming with Greg and that this morning. And I'm just going to pray for us. So, so if you want to bow your heads, heads with me, you're welcome to do that. Father God, here we are, your people. Just like Don said, chosen by miracle. Lord, if we are believing in Jesus, you have miraculously opened our ear to hear the word of God and respond with faith. You've overcome unbelief. You've overcome our dead hearts. You've overcome our hardened minds. And you gave us a listening ear to respond to the message of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray you do that again. I pray that you'd empower us to hear the truth of Scripture and respond with faith so we can worship you, serve you, and enjoy you forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I got my Amen chorus over here. So, older people, don't let the young ones put you to shame. It's interesting as a regular speaker tackling um, seasons that are annual and you know if someone's been a christian for 70 years how many christmas messages have they heard probably at least 70 maybe into the multiple of hundreds and so i don't want to do anything new but i do like to see old things with fresh eyes amen so this is one of my passions to to see the obvious in in ways that are new and fresh so you can actually see what's there. And maybe you've missed it before. And so today I just want to, the whole point of the message is Christmas is all about us getting more obsessed with and on fire for Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. It's about becoming absolutely radically obsessed with Jesus and totally on fire for him and not settling for anything less. Okay, it's not normal to be unpassionate about Jesus. And without any judgment... There's, there's just kind of something missing. It's not normal to not be on fire for Jesus. And without any judgment, it's a sign that something's missing. And I know we go up and down in life. Being human means change, right? At some time today, you're probably going to put your head down on something and play dead for about eight hours. And that's fine. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus... The story of Christmas helps us understand that being obsessed with Christ and being on fire for Christ is normal because God has changed the world through sending his son to become a human being. He changed the world. So does anybody here remember when there was a time when there was no Nintendo Switches? Okay. Anybody hoping to get anything Nintendo-y or Xbox-y or PlayStation-y this Christmas? Anybody? Somebody? 
Okay, a few people. Yeah, come on. That's right. Represent. You know, don't don't be ashamed. Okay, does anybody remember a time when there weren't Nintendos? Okay, I remember that. I was pretty young. Anybody ever play ColecoVision? Yeah. For some reason, it was like a joystick, and they decided to put the buttons on the side of the controller. You had to squeeze it like this while you tried to get Mario to jump over the stuff to get up to Donkey Kong when Donkey Kong was a bad guy and, you know, like, kick him while you're jumping over barrels. Can I just say, the Japanese have changed the world with their ideas of what fun is. I'll just say that and leave it there. Very bizarre why an Italian plumber needs to go and kick a gorilla. (laughs) It's normal for us. For the first 1975 years of life after... Whatever. Never mind. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay. Does anybody remember a time when there wasn't electricity in their house? Okay. So I'm pushing back here. Does anybody remember a time when there was no electricity anywhere? Aside from coming down out of the sky. Or maybe if you shuffled your feet and then touched somebody. Okay. Does anybody remember a time when there wasn't antibiotics? Anybody remember a time when there weren't automobiles or airplanes? Okay, so I'm pushing back on some of these. These are just inventions. Anybody remember a time when there weren't smartphones? Okay. We're going to do a thumbs up, thumbs down vote. Life is better with smartphones is thumbs up. Life is worse with smartphones, thumbs down. One, two, three. See, I tricked you. Because I'm on camera, I get to not have a strong opinion. I still want your hearts. I don't want you to be stumbled by my opinions about smartphones before we read the scriptures. So the world keeps changing. And when you're young, you just kind of think this is normal, okay? It's normal to bring a piece of glass and aluminum to school with you that you can text with other people during class about. That was not normal for most of human history. It's normal to go, oh, I want to go to the store, so I'm just going to hop into my um, steel chariot that controls minuscule explosions at the rate of two to 5,000 per minute in order to move from one place to another in town a few miles so that you can go into a store which is heated by trucking natural gas out of the earth somewhere into a building so that it can be burned by control to keep that place hot and you can walk up to another unit that uses compression in order to keep everything inside of this enclosed glass shell frozen because outside is frozen and inside Inside is warm, but then inside of that needs to be cold so that you can grab your box of pizza pops and bring it home for lunch. And that's normal for us. For most of human history, lunch was just whatever you harvested earlier that day. And it was usually just going to be rice or wheat or something like that. And every once in a while, you might send your kids out to chase after a chicken for an hour or chase after a goat for four hours. And if you managed to catch it, that was dinner. But the world is constantly changing. And we keep thinking stuff is normal and we don't realize that something amazing has changed. 
So I'm going to read a few scriptures for us, and I want us to just see one way that God has changed the world through the coming of Jesus, with this being in mind that we would both receive this truth and determine in our hearts to be on fire for Jesus more and more with our life. Awesome. I didn't put that thing there that's in the top right-hand corner, but you're welcome. That's a feature, not a bug. Luke 2, verses 6 and 7 says this, And while they were there, this is Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Fairly normal childbirth. Now, again, for us, our idea of normal is not normal. Uh, We have hospitals, we have professionally trained doctors, we have painkillers, we have antibiotics, we have all kinds of medical technology that has taken what used to be the most common near-death experience that women would have had in their lives and made it something you can actually go through relatively pain-free. And I do mean relatively, don't hate me, I've passed multiple kidney stones, so ladies, I feel ya, but... Compared to no painkillers, no antibiotics, this was a near-death experience almost every time in human history that women would give birth. But just kind of semi-normal. No room in an inn? Okay, well, there's a cave or there's a manger or whatever. Years later, though, the Apostle Paul is having met Jesus, raised from the dead, been commissioned by him to go and tell people the gospel, the good news, that God is gathering all people to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in this city called Athens. And Athens was one of the most famous cities of all time, actually. And it was really famous for its philosophers. So this back in Greece, and Greece had two really famous cities in it. One was called Sparta. The other was called Athens. Does anybody know what Sparta was really famous for? Yes, kicking people into wells. There's a little... I've never even seen the movie, but I've seen the slow motion chest kick in a few different videos. We are Sparta! So Sparta was famous for its insane military people. It's insane soldiers. They were just ruthless at raising up soldiers. Spartans were famous for things like when you became a teenager, they would just treat you like crud. And it was kind of like they wouldn't feed you because they wanted you to be able to steal to feed yourself and stuff like this. So they were just ruthless with children in order to create the most ruthless soldiers on the planet. And Sparta was in conflict with Athens that also had some strong military stuff, but they were more known for their philosophers, for their thinkers. By this time, of course, all of Sparta and Athens have all been conquered by Rome. And Paul is traveling around trying to teach people about Jesus. And he's in Athens, and the Athenians, as their snooty, elitist, Oxfordonian, um, Harvardonian, or whatever type, super smarty, pantsy guys, they hear Paul preaching, and they want to hear these new ideas because they like new ideas. They don't necessarily like believing these ideas, but they like hearing and talking and debating about them. And so here's the Apostle Paul writing about Jesus. It says this in the book of Acts. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? 
For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Whatever there... What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So you're getting some awesome theology this morning. You're welcome. And he made from one man, oh, evolution, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places. Okay, press pause here. So this is, Paul is preaching the theology of God's providence over all of human history, including what people groups are going to live where, when. These people get to live here for a few centuries and then they're going to be overtaken by a different people group for a while and then they're going to build up for a bit and then they're going to get taken over. And Paul is saying, God started humanity with one man whose name is Adam and he has been ruling over where everybody goes when since then. That's a pretty high level of control. Verse 27, that we should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. I think that was Plato he's quoting there. And even some of your own poets have said, for we indeed are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art or the imagination of men. And then here we come to the kicker verses. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So this is the big idea for this morning. The same way there was a time when nobody had electricity, but now we do. The same way there was a time when nobody had cars, but now we do. The same way that nobody ever fell down the YouTube wormhole, but now we do. There was a time when it was somewhat okay to go your own way and do your own thing and make up your own rules and try to do your best, but those times are gone since Jesus was born. When Jesus was born that we celebrate on Christmas, God changed the world because he gave us the man through whom all of human history would be judged. And now, now is the time when everything is about Jesus. For everyone, wherever they live, whatever they believe, whatever they think, whatever they do, because Jesus was born, now he is the most important thing of their life. And he will judge. The world changed when Jesus was born on Christmas, and now Everybody is commanded to come and believe in Jesus. Amen?
This is the big idea. This is what I want you to think about. When you think about Christmas, I want you to think going your own way is no longer an option. Because the Bible said there was a time when God was still there and he was making himself known. He was reaching out, but he would let the, I don't even know which people groups, whatever the people were doing in England for all those thousands of years before the first missionaries, he kind of just let them do their own thing. He was being patient. Maybe he's hoping that they would think for a while. Where did all this stuff come from? Maybe a God made it. Well, maybe I'll make a God out of stone. That doesn't make any sense. Who made the stone? I should make the guy, worship the guy who made the stone, not worship a God made out of stone. Maybe I'll make it out of gold. But that doesn't make any sense because who made the gold? I shouldn't worship something made out of gold. I should worship the one that made the gold. They could have thought their way through this if their hearts weren't darkened by sin. But that option of making up your own rules as you go is 2,000 years dead. Because God revealed himself through Jesus Christ to be the one everyone can and should and must come to in order to know God and be right with God and be blessed by God and be loved by God. And Paul says it, it's a command. Now he commands all people everywhere to turn. What does repent mean? Repent means to ruin your life with sadness forever. Amen? Repent means to throw away every good and fun thing you could ever have. Amen? Repentance means if you do get that switch game you've really been looking forward to, you have to give it away to somebody else. Amen? No. Repentance is the movement from believing things that are killing you towards the God who wants to give you true life. Repentance is the movement from doing things that are ruining you towards walking with the God who blesses us. That's what repentance is. Repentance got this bad rap. I won't do a bad rap for you right now. I could try. Yeah? You could try to rhyme something with Twizzler. Just, you know, something, no. The only reason repentance feels like a bad deal is because we want to live like those times before Jesus came where we get to go our own way. That's why it feels like a bad deal. I want to live like I can make this up as I go. I want to live like I can pick a little of this and a little of that. I can put a little Jesus on my life on Sundays and the rest of the time it's other stuff. And that feels like a good idea. But those times are gone. And instead, God is calling us to come to the one who knows who we are and knows what we need and knows what we'll love. Do we actually think that the God of the universe doesn't know what will make us happy? Hello? We don't know what will make us happy. True story. I don't like getting money for my birthday. I get it, but I don't love it. Do you know why? I always just go... I'm going to buy something I think I want and I'll be so disappointed with it. Anybody do that? I'm going to buy something and I'll be like, this will be the thing. This is the silver bullet that's going to shoot my boredom werewolf right in the face and kill it. I'm going to go buy that, well, probably like that vegetable cleaver I've always wanted and it's going to make cooking so great 
not imagining that I'm going to cut the tip of my thumb off with this thing while I'm making a Christmas Caesar salad. I'm going to have trauma. Don't do Caesar salad for Uncle Ray because of the blood. And the tip was just sitting there. And then I got the gauze stuck on it overnight because it congealed. And then I had to go get some extra strength Novocaine to jam into the wound just so I could pull the gauze out because it was so gross and painful. I wanted to pass out. Because the cleaver was going to fix my life. Right? And so I get money from my blessed family. Love you guys. And I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't buy because it's always a disappointment and sometimes a trip to the ER. (laughs) So you know what I always do now? I just buy things that I think are going to make other people happy. Because I know if I buy something to try to make somebody else happy, I will actually enjoy that. And if they like what I get them or not, that's their problem. (laughs) How did we even get onto this? The go-your-own-ways time. Where is that verse? The times of ignorance God overlooked. The time where people went their own way. God was just being patient and not not judging like he could have and not intervening like he could have. But now he commands all people everywhere to come and finally be happy forever in the Lord Jesus Christ. And come and finally be forgiven for real, for real. So that at the final judgment, you get to live forever with God instead of facing the consequences of our rebellion against him. Now God is calling us to come and receive the bestest Christmas present ever that doesn't have anything to do with virtual reality, but coming into true reality of knowing the true and living God with a relationship based on love and forgiveness and acceptance and perseverance and chesed, which is that enduring covenant faithfulness, to come and finally know the one who made you in love and knows you with grace and wants you forever and will take care of you always and desires and commands that you come and live with him for all of eternity. No ifs, ands, or buts. God is amazing. He's so demanding. Ever known anybody who's just really demanding? God is so demanding. I demand that you come and live in my house forever so that I can make you happy forever. Well, I don't want to. Well, I don't accept your, I don't want to. This is the only option. And my son's going to come to earth and he's going to die for sin and I'm going to raise him from the dead on the third day and he's going to come back to heaven and he's going to spend thousands of years preparing mansions for you. Because you're coming. I don't care if you like turkey or not. It's going to be turkey and ham and sausage and bacon and back bacon and front bacon and side bacon and top bacon and under bacon and fake bacon. No, there's no fake bacon. There's no turkey bacon there either. You just can't slap the word bacon on whatever you want. This is God's world. We need to use words to connect with reality. And I'm kind of joking, but I'm really not. 
However, dear Christians, do we live in a time where we define freedom as living pre-Christmas? Where we hope we can do what we want and God will overlook it and not care that much? Is that the definition of freedom for us? Is that the definition of power for us? Is that the definition of liberty for us? That we really hope we can kind of just go our own way and hope that God will overlook it. Or is freedom for us drinking from God's fire hose of grace and getting as much Christ as we can get because God has put every good thing into him and then given him to us so we can have all of God? Amen? And he commands us. This is, he's so pushy sometimes. Be filled with the Spirit. No, please. The Word of God says, be filled with the Spirit. You can either obey or disobey. Are you going to choose to obey? Does any parent do this with their kids? Do you choose obey or disobey? Disobey. <laughs> then they... The parents get to practice their drum lessons for a little bit. To play the djembe on Sunday. And then, what do you choose now? Obey or disobey? This is one of our issues as people. It's hard for us to imagine that every single command from our God and Father is for our good and for our joy. And that to choose disobedience is always choosing the worst present at the gift exchange. It's always coming home with the fruitcake. <laughs> when people were handing out K gift certificates. Disobedience is always choosing the worst thing because of God's good character. Amen? And so we want to repent. I don't want to live like God has not made clear where the best thing is. And I have to figure this out on my own. I want to live like God really has sent the Christ. He sent the man God Jesus to come and be everything that all of us could ever need. And that Jesus would be given this command from God to rejoice in being everything we need for us. This is Jesus' life goal. And his resurrection life goal is to prove to us the abounding riches of the grace of the Father by being to us and for us everything we need in this life. So that we can happily spend forever going, he did it, 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 he did it. Amen? That's so great that you guys are up there. Remember the Muppet show? Yeah. Oh! So how are we going to apply this? <laughs> They're my good friends, internet, don't worry. I wasn't insulting strangers or anything. So, Number one, because we live in the time where God has commanded all of us to come to Jesus with all we've got, let's keep pushing forward into fuller worship. Okay, thanks Greg for pushing us this morning. Let's keep moving forward, in, even in the singing time. Are your arms tired yet? Young people, are your legs tired from the worship time? Don't let some 40-year-old guy who dances like he's 
put his finger in a socket and is being electrocuted in slow motion, out-worship you with his body. (laughs) Worship the Lord with what you've got. Because there's nothing else better than him and no one more grateful for your love and no one who can reward you more for your service. So push in. Keep pushing in. Let's take our church traditions and put it into God's thank you, thankfulness box. Thank you for my passing. And then today you start pushing into what God might have for you next. Number two. Let's live off of the word of God like crazy. When you live in a time where people just go their own way, people are always just obsessed with what the next person is saying new. Just like the Athenians. What's the latest idea? What's the latest TikTok viral video? What's the latest guy who said something stupid on this thing or got run over by a truck? What's the latest podcast who's zinging politicians and saying weirdo stuff? We have God's very words in our hand. In a way that the church didn't have for most of its history. Like 1500 years you had to believe some priest tell you something in Latin. So let's be amazed at this. Do you know how important the word of God is to God for us? Do you remember back in the Exodus? And the people of God were called to come out of Egypt and go into the promised land. And they were running out of food in the way. And they started complaining about not having enough food. And God decided to feed them with manna. And they didn't go in. And so they spent 40 years wandering around the desert Six days out of seven, eating manna. And they found it quite boring. But 40 years later, in the book of Deuteronomy, God tells them what he was up to. And I don't have the specific verse, but you've got Google, so this is not a problem. And God tells the people, I fed you with manna in the desert these 40 years so that you would learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Who here is 40? Imagine spending 40 years to learn one thing. One lesson, 40 years, 40 years, one lesson, one class all day, every day, well, six out of seven days. What, you go to school, there's one lesson to learn for 40 years. Anybody gone to school for 40 years? You would be the most specialized lawyer of all time, charging like $10,000 an hour if you had 40 years of education. And God tries to teach his people one thing for 40 years. Live off of my word or you're dead. Anybody feel spiritually dead? How's your faith-filled Bible reading been? 40 years. Amen? Does anybody think one semester of math is too much? 40 years. uh. You don't have to take 40 years to learn this. You can just take my word for it. Do-do-do. Number D. Meditate on eternity and the final judgment. When Jesus came on Christmas Day, he made eternity more important than this life. 
When Jesus came on Christmas Day, he made what happens to you after you die way more important than what happens to you in this life. Because he came to be the judge to decide what happens to people when they die, whether they lived in faith for God or whether they gave themselves to unbelief and wanted to be separated from God and then get the just fruits of that desire by being separated from God forever, which is a terrible, unbelievably terrible thought. But this matters. And we live in this culture where the definition of heaven in our culture, this is just me, is having high self-esteem. And the definition of hell in our culture is having low self-esteem. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's the best thing that can happen to you? To think well of yourself and be surrounded by people who think well of you? What's the worst thing that can happen in, in this life? Is to think poorly of yourself and be surrounded by people who don't think very highly of you? That's hell. And the government needs to intervene to force people to approve of what you do so that you're not subjected to hell in this life and are, everyone has to afford you heaven. And I don't even know what I'm talking about. Am I talking about sexuality? Am I talking about COVID? Who even knows what I'm talking about anymore? We do it everywhere. But God proved that what happens after you die is more important than what happens in this life by raising Jesus from the dead. If Jesus had stayed dead, do whatever you want. Jesus came out of the grave, everything's changed. And we have to follow Jesus with an eye on eternity. Ours and others. Uh, I'm completely lost in my numbering. Anybody keeping track? Number four. Okay, so we're on letter IV. It's a joke. Let as Christians do our duties with joy. We're in. And we're following the master. So let's parent with joy. Let's make soup with joy. Let's clean up our bedrooms with joy. We're following the master. We're serving the living God. We're all the way in to the best thing you can have. Let's Wash our cars when it's not too cold out with joy. Let's sell houses with joy. Let's love our wives with joy. Let's love, respect our husbands with joy. Let's change a dirty diaper with joy. Because we're serving the living God. We're all the way in. There's nothing better than just making Jesus happy minute by minute. And he's already happy because he knows the Father, but by a miracle of grace, our little acts of faithfulness to him also make him even more happy, if that's even possible, which it is, but it isn't, which it is, but it isn't. So let's do our duties with joy. Let's do our little things with happiness in the Lord. We're in. We know God. And he loves it when we do little things for his sake. Let's be ready to be more and more countercultural. Because a lot of the world wants to live like Jesus was never born, and we know that's not true. And so just just staying the same will mean that we become more and more countercultural in a world that's walking away from Jesus. Amen. Just staying the same will make you radical when it, when everyone's walking in a different direction. And that's going to be okay. Um Greg mentioned the whole, like, a little bit, the conversion therapy being made really, really illegal in Canada recently. Here's a few ways that I would encourage you to think about that. Number one, a lot of that conversion therapy didn't have anything to do with converting people to Christ, which is why it gets a really bad rap. Like, taking people from one form of unbelief to another isn't really helping them, and so if some people were really hurt by it, that's fine. 
The other thing I would like to encourage us in is that um, the a-heterosexualism philosophy is now the official state religion. It has been for a while, but it is now, and states protect their religion with laws. So if you go to many Muslim countries, it's against the law to try to convert people away from Islam, and this is what's happening here. They're protecting their official worldview, which is fine, because Canada still lives in God's world, and he still commands all of us to repent and come to the living God. So in that case, nothing's changed. We still have the same mission. We still, have, we still live in the same world. We still have the same Christ to offer and to receive. But, like, whatever happened to that teenage angst we all used to feel? Where you're kind of like, I'm not going to do what other people say. And then you become a parent and you think, like, that's not something you need to do all the time. Like, it's okay if we do things that are a little countercultural and enjoy it. Not necessarily for its own sake, but because we're following Jesus. It's okay. It's, it's going to be okay. It just might cost us our houses and our jobs and our lives. And guess what? I totally am anxious and I get afraid of everything every day, so I'm never going to judge you if you have a bad day. But we've repented. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that he regularly lets his people fall completely apart so he can put them back together better. We know how the story goes. If you have a bad day, Jesus is waiting on the other side of that day for a better day. There's grace upon grace. There's resurrection power. There's the Holy Spirit changing things. There's always more hope. There's always more grace. And we win. We're won. We've already won. We've already won. We're winning. We've already won. All the nations are just a drop in the bucket to God anyways. Whatever happens to Canada, good and bad, it's just a little bit of ripples in God's history bucket. We're going to be okay. And I think I'm coming up on my next last point. So the band can begin to think of worshipping. The last point is this. The times of being confused, not confused, half-hearted about God, hoping that he'll just let you go your own way and overlook things, they're gone. Now is the time to be totally sold out on fire for Jesus. This is the time. Now is the time to be radically committed, desiring to be wholeheartedly obedient, fighting against your heart, fighting against your sin, fighting against whatever in your your own life you need to, to get out of the way of loving Jesus and seeing Jesus, being on fire for Jesus and dancing with Jesus and being being stoked about Jesus. Now is the time to hate everything that robs us of our passion about Jesus. Now is the time to reject everything that slows us down, to strengthen, to lift up our drooping hands, right, hon? And strengthen our weak knees. Because... Jesus was born, and he changed things forever. Let's worship the living God.